This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. Well, today we're starting a, a, a new series. And in fact, Jonathan was even saying to me, he says, you really want to, you sure you want to call it a series? And I think many times I like the word series or even working through it because it's like it brings us on a journey. And the Lord is always, always wanting to bring us on a journey. You know, even when you think you've arrived at something, all you've had is had a growth spurt with God and that he's still got more for you. In fact, um, I love getting older. I know some of you guys may be fearful of getting older. Let me assure you, getting older is awesome. And I'll tell you why. It's because the reflection of who God is becomes in a space of your understanding, at least it is for my life as I get older, I go, the more I know, the more I realize I don't know. And the more content I have in understanding, it's okay that I don't know because he does. And he is leading me and he is moving. In fact, this last week and I had such an amazing day yesterday, started out a little bit rough uh, going through finances with my wife and we were in the checkbook, and our checkbook was, believe it or not, $6,500 off. At least it was $6,500 to the good, okay? I've seen it the other way. Um, anyway, uh, in trying to find it, and the Lord just let it, well, we've had those um, spaces where if, if we could say what we've fought probably um, the most, and I would say uh, they're usually quick arguments, is probably over finances. Where we have had arguments, where they have been um, more uh, laborious frustrations, it's probably over romance. And where we would say where we've had the greatest breakthroughs in our life is over the subject I'm about to talk to you about today, is digging wells. And you know, we have these terminologies and you go, well, digging wells, what does that got to do with Christianity you know, well, because, see, there's a lot of times where God begins to help you and understand things that are very figurative in the Bible. In the Old Testament, they would dig a well, and the whole point of that well was a source of livelihood. In fact, it was also a picture of wealth. And so when you read, you know, you read um, a today a, a message, or, or you see in the Bible about digging a well, you know, I think of D-Wind drilling, they get their big equipment out there and they go, well, how deep are we going today? It's 90 foot and what do we got to dig through? And then they grind through it in about three or four hours and next thing you know, I got fresh water. That is not how it went in the Bible days. In the Bible days, digging a well was a place, and we're going to be learning about through this the next few weeks, but in the Bible days, digging a well was this, is that it was a space of hope you didn't know, A, you're going to get water. And then it would take anywhere between three months to a year to dig that well. And now, so just get yourself around that space of thinking. It would take you three months to a year. 
Today we're going to talk about digging well. The first well we always dig with God, and again, it's figuratively, is salvation. The first well that God ever digs, he's the fountain of living water. He is that source. In fact, in Jeremiah, there was a passage many years ago, right before we started this church, where I was on this pursuit and this journey to get intimate with God. Into me, you see. I wanted God to see into me. And I wanted to see into him. I didn't care about church. I didn't care about growth. I didn't care about business. You know, I didn't care about any of those other aspects of what God had me in my calling because I was at that space. I had trained three children's pastors, which I was a children's pastor, family pastor. So my, my really, my workload had been alleviated and I had this time and space before I was going to start this church with God. And I wanted it to be all him. And so I began to just pursue God and worship. You might say, dig a well with him in understanding who God was and is. And again, even that journey, it's still just, an, it's just another space of understanding that, you know, all these 21 years later, I know him in such a greater way than I did back then. But in that space of time of being intimate in a lot of worship and a lot of the things that um, I didn't have a, a demands in my life. So, you know, when, if you're single, don't, you know, don't get so wrapped up in getting married right away. Take that singleness and wrap yourself in God so that when you are married and you have that wonderful person by your side, God's still first in the source of that relationship. And so in that space, again, about digging that well or figuratively getting intimate with God, what I had found is, is that I had, you know, there was a lot of things that God had to, you know, basically remove in my life. Yet, and that's what digging a well is, isn't it? It's not about getting water first. It's about getting rid of the dirt and getting rid of all the other stuff that's in the way of the fountain of living water so that he could be that source in my life. And see, I had all in my ideas, and if, you know, I'm a, I'm a visionary, I'm a businessman, so I had all, in, all my ideas about how to start the church and run the church and even how I was going to do it better than my pastor and how I was going to do it different and did a lot of research and I had the budget all planned out and I had, you know, basically the, the, the prayer ministry and I mean, I had it all really thought out, but who was the source? Me. And God was going, no, we're not going to start that way. We're going to start with digging this well and I'm going to be that source for you and it was a very hard year for my life a very big year of abandonment um, from the person you know my mentor and just a space where I had to really lean into God and learn who he was so that when all of the, the all of the armament or all the enemy's tactics that would begin right away with this against this church when we first started it that I knew where my source was. I didn't lean into man, I leaned into God. And I learned that because he was my well. Now, we're gonna be talking about wells of life in the future. But the first one we're talking about today is a well of salvation. And how that well, that's the fountain. In fact, the fairy, one of the first scriptures God shared with me when I was beginning to say, into me you see, was found in Jeremiah chapter two. And in this passage, I'm going to read from the Amplified Translation. And it says, two sins that my people have done. They have forsaken me, the living waters, and they've made cisterns 
that don't hold water. Now, maybe again, terminology that may just kind of, you know, you may not understand what that means. So let me explain that to you. First of all, they had forsaken God, the living waters, which means what they had done is anytime they were in a battle, anytime they were in a crisis, or anytime they were in anything in their journey in their life, they had learned to say, you know, I'm going to do it without God. Pastor Young Yi Cho, who leads one of the biggest Korean, you know, biggest churches in the world from Korea, came to America and said, you know, he says, I can't, it really amazes me how the churches in America, what they can do without prayer. That was his go away point. He came to visit all of these churches in America and he was, he marveled at all the resources that American churches have because we do, we have so many resources. We have giftings, we have Bible schools, we have Google, we have all of these different, I mean, there's churches at every corner and there's all kinds of different denominations. You know, what we didn't have is we didn't have living water. And he marveled, he says that they would start all these things and he would have all these conferences and yet they would not even have a prayer meeting. And he really, what really blew him away is, and, and again, it really shows me that where's my source? Where's your source? For who you are where is your source with God and so Jeremiah 2.13 says this it goes says they have two sins they've done they've forsaken me the living waters which means they have begun to build look for other resources than God and you know even they have a make have a God name on it but they're looking for another resource than God and then number two is they've made cisterns and what a cistern is is it's a, is a, is like, it looks like a well, but it has no living water, which means it's no fresh water. They didn't dig it deep enough or whatever it is. It's just something that holds rainwater. So God would come in and rain water down on the world, and this cistern would hold this moment that God brought. Man, that shows a lot about Christianity, doesn't it? Many times when we're talking about God, we'll talk about a moment, a cistern where God reigned in our life and God had a moment in our life and all of a sudden that place, we want to hold it all out. But we're not choosing the living water anymore. We're not talking about what God's new thing in our life and our walk is. We're just talking about a sister and a moment in our walk with God that God did something amazing in our life. Could be relational, could be financial, could be health, could be something. But it's a moment, it's a place where God reigned and we made a cistern out of it. Body of Christ, God wants to be a well, a living fountain of life in your life. You say, well, pastor, explain. Well, in my own personal walk, I, and this is not my fountain, God is my fountain of salvation, my living water, but I'm digging other wells, and I'll get more into this in the weeks to come, but just to give you an idea, maybe help you have a little picture, maybe that, so this message could be more applicable to your life. I'm an empty nester now. And I thought that would be one of the best experiences in my life. And it was weird. Just because I had, you know, I had seven kids and they were bringing the friends or whatever. It just, it was always active at home. And you know, a lot of times I miss that. So, I mean, the house just seems like, it's just a big empty place other than my wonderful bride. And so, what happened was, is that we had in our life, and this, you're going to kind of get a kick out of this, might be a little PG rating here, but 
A lot of times, because we had kids every time, us time, it was a quickie here or a quickie there or whatever. You know what I'm talking about. You know, and so all of a sudden now, we don't need that space. We have all the time in the world. We have all the time to be romantic, and yet we never learn romance. Because we were always having kids everywhere. And so we never dig the well of romance in our life. And so here I am thinking with this, this space of empty nest that this would be so easy. And God's going, yeah, you need to have, dig a well with me. And so God needs to be my source of romance. And so the most romantic thing that my wife and I are finding right now is prayer together. And we're just every morning coming together and we're worshiping and praising God. And I know, and God's bringing most beautiful romance out of that. But he becomes, there's this well, and some of you guys need to hear this because you're, you're, you're on the other side. You haven't let God be that well for you. Second of all, another well. And I've always got these wells. I, I mean, if you could see in the spirit realm, there's little holes everywhere in my walk. You know, because I want God to be first in the source in that, because that's really what a well is. He's the source of that in your life. The second one is this. And this one's kind of unique because this well was dug when I first got saved. When you first get saved, who do you get to know? Jesus. Obviously, Jesus. He's the only, he, by, you, you fall on the rock and Jesus gets in your life. Well, guess what happened is it, Jesus leads you to the Father and he fills you with the Holy Spirit. So somewhere down this journey, I have fallen in worship and in love with my daddy in heaven. And I have this power and anointing with the Holy Spirit. But somewhere in that space of time, my relationship with Jesus, I feel like I use him. I use his name. And I feel like a user. And so now I'm going, time to dig a well with Jesus. I have a relationship with Jesus, obviously, but Jesus has led me to the Father. That's what his job is. Jesus, I'm going to lead you to the Father. Don't ask anything, but in my name, ask the Father. So he did what his objective is, is he led me to Daddy. And then he filled me with the Holy Spirit, but in that space of time, here's God's, Jesus, this most ex awesome extender of love and, for, you know, and understanding. Give me this relationship here and give me this relationship here. But in the meantime, I lost sight who the giver was. He was leading me this way and leading me that way. And in that space of time, I'm like in this awkward space. Jesus, I don't want to use you. So I'm now, I, I don't have an answer for you right now, but I'm digging that well with Jesus right now. I'm having my prayer time. And, and so what happened in, as I'm asking God, and here's how what digging the well starts out with. You just start out with him and say, God, I don't even know where to start, but you do. And so I humble my heart to you. And Jesus, I just want this relationship to be so rich and fluid and living that you deserve Help me dig this well. And then he used digging the well, because honestly, before even the message started, I didn't even have this theory or this, but it was really what it was, is digging this well, have this relationship with Jesus. And what happens is that Jesus, because he's so great and the Holy Spirit's so great and the Father's so great, he leads and he has Rita go over there and give me, which is one of our, you know, one of our directors in our church, give me this J.D. Greer all right, on Eastern. By the way, our whole church is doing this, so you guys are already getting a preliminary where we're going. 
Last year, we didn't have Easter. This is going to be the greatest Easter you have ever had in your entire life. Okay, the greatest Easter, because honestly, the greatest historical day that has ever happened is Jesus resurrecting. And so this year, J.D. Greer, you know what? And Right Now Media is going to help you with that journey. Okay, and what he has is, in fact, please don't, I mean, I guess he can, but I'd rather have you not. But, you know, you can look it up, but he has a whole message uh, tape video series on five days, five messages on Easter. It's like a journey to the tomb, a journey to the resurrection. We're going to do this. I want you to do this Monday, Tuesday. We're not going to do small groups that week. We're just going to get in the presence of God and find out the path of Christ inside of our, we're going to dig a well of who Christ is in our life together. And so here I'm asking this, and Rita gives me this, this uh, I don't know, this, uh, I would just say uh, opportunity. I check it out. I wake up on Thursday morning. I can't sleep. I'm up at like 4.30 in the morning, and I'm, I'm going, I'm going to watch J.D. Greer on this Easter. I just feel my spirit leads me to this. And I'm bawling my eyes out as I watch what Jesus has done for my life. And you say, Pastor, I've read the Bible over and over and over again, but the Spirit of God moves me. Because what's happening is because I'm going, I want to dig a well with Christ. And see, let me share with you guys, this is the space that all of us want. And so if you could turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 26, we're going to read about a character named Isaac. And maybe you know a little bit more you know, about Isaac because Abraham had this son named Isaac right? But we really don't get to know anything about this guy. I mean, it's kind of unfair in a way. I mean, Abraham, we learned so much about in his journey. Then he has this son named Isaac, and then he has this son named Jacob. And so we learn all kinds of things about Jacob. We learn all things, all kinds of things about Abraham. And then Isaac gets just a, a little, you know, a little bit of media with us in the Bible in Genesis 26. And it's about digging wells. Of all things, it's about digging wells. And we could even lose the understanding of how important it is, but yet God included it in this space because God wanted us to know who Isaac was. And by the way, this digging well, this, so many of us don't understand. We have to dig our own well. So point number one is you had to dig your own well. Because some of us, what we've done is we've been living off our father's well. Or we have been living off our spouse's well. You need to dig your own well. You aren't saved just because of who you know. You are saved because the well of fountain of life of Jesus is inside of your own heart. And what had happened is this Isaac had literally had these wells that daddy had. But he had to come to a space in his life to dig his own well. Isaac had to dig his own well. Doesn't matter how prosperous, doesn't matter how great Abraham was, because Abraham was a, obviously a great man. It doesn't matter in that space. What matters is, is who is Isaac going to be? And who are you going to be? Are you going to have the fountain of living water inside of your life? Are you going to allow God to dig inside of your life? Is he going to allow to dig that dirt up out of you so that you get to that space where there's living water that you drink from? Or are you going to be like I think so many Christians have in life is they, they've done two sins. One, they source out everything they need and the only source that God becomes is maybe Sunday morning service. God says, two sins they've committed. They've forsaken me, the living water, 
And two, they made cisterns. Or maybe you're living off what God did in your life 20 years ago or 10 years ago. And, you know, God rained on a moment in your life and he showed up and just that's how he does. He shows up in such magnificent ways. And yet you're still trying to drink that water that's been sitting there for 10 years. When God is a fountain of living water. He is a fountain of living water. Some of you have heard me talk about the testimony of my sister Hope. really hard not to get emotional but my sister hope was uh someone my mom and dad chose to adopt at the age of i think it was around 11 to 12 biological uh cousin and she came up with some really rough life seen things she should have never seen experienced things she should have never experienced And my mom and dad, out of the goodness of their heart, they chose to bring her into their life. Not because they were uh, gifted, not because they had the means, just because they were moved with compassion. Look what Jesus has done by being moved with compassion. They were moved with compassion. And hope, because of events in her life, you know, you talk about PTSD. She had that and a lot more. Had just had a lot of rational difficulties in her life and chose some wrong decisions, chose the hurt rather than living water. Yesterday, the Holy Spirit moves me to go visit my mom and dad. And uh, we, were, we thought we had our whole day planned in, in the Holy, you know how the Holy Spirit just moves you into somewhere else? And we, this is where we were going, and God goes, no, you're going over here. No, this is where we're going. No, you're going to be here. This is what, no, you're here. And so that's exactly what happened. We landed over at mom and dad's and, and uh, just had a great time. And, and uh, I was sharing some things that were going on and, you know, with our life and why we were there. And, and then my mom speaks up about hope. And my sister Hope, who is now like, what, 50, probably 53, 54 years old, is now working in, not at, she's working at the rescue mission in Holland, Michigan. We didn't even know where she was. We haven't even heard where she was. And she's right in the place, not because she needs to be there, but because she's helping others in a mission for Jesus Christ. And I just broke. I go, God, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. I realize that in this situation, God has dug a well that took 40 years. And God won't quit. And some of you have buried people because of their foolishness. Some of you have given up hope. And that God never does. God devises ways to dig those wells and that your prayers put angels to work your prayers put god's intersections in space you need to realize your space in god that god will probably use your hands to help dig that fountain of life amen in genesis chapter 26 i would like to read as my crazy ipad 
wakes up. All right, I would like to read this account of Isaac. When Isaac planted his crops that year, verse 12, he harvested 100 times more grain. That means if if you put $100 in the bank, you're going to get 10,000 back. How many want to put $100 in the bank? (laughs) That's what God did with Isaac. That's what God would like to do with your life. Because here's why. He wants to show who he is in your life. And Isaac was realized that God was his source. He harvested 100 times more grain than he planted, for the Lord blessed him. He became very rich and his wealth continued to grow. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats and herds of cattle and servants that the Philistines became jealous of him. We're going to be talking about the well of jealousy in a few weeks. So the Philistines filled up all the Isaac's wells with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father Abraham. Finally, Abimelech ordered Isaac to leave the country. Go somewhere else, he said, for you have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away to Gerar Valley where he set up their tents and settled down. He reopened the wells his father had dug. which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given to them. Isaac's servants also dug in the Gerar Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. But then the shepherds from Gerar came and claimed the spring. This is our our water, they said. And they argued over it with Isaac's herdsmen. So Isaac named the well Isaac, which means argument. Isaac's men then dug another well. But again, there was a dispute over it. So Isaac named it Sitna, which means hostility. Abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and dug another well. This time there was no dispute over it, so Isaac named the place Rehoboth, which means open space. For he said, at last the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. From there, Isaac moved to Beersheba, where the Lord appeared to him on the night of his arrival. I am the God of your father Abraham, he said. Do not be afraid, for I am with you, and I will bless you. Here's this man who wouldn't give up. I'm not quitting. Doesn't matter what others have done. Doesn't matter what other people are doing against me. Doesn't matter there's arguments, there's jealousy. I'm not going to give up because this is God's plan. God wants me to dig. And then God brings the blessing. Do not be afraid for I am with you and bless you. I will multiply your descendants and they will become a great nation. I will do this because of my promise to Abraham, my servant. Then Isaac built an altar there and worshiped the Lord. He set up his camp at that place and his servants dug another well. Number one in your study, you will need to dig your own well. You will need, every one of you need your own well of salvation. Every one of you need to come to a saving knowledge that Jesus Christ is your living source. Just this morning, I was listening to one of our elders testimonies. I had no idea. I mean, if you see this guy today, you'd never think, but he was a, a, a wild biker boy. I never would have, I would have never guessed, ever guessed. And then he's sharing how his journey was so distant from God. And then God brings this wonderful bride in his life who waited three years for his nonsense. You wise, give you some encouragement, all right, there. Waited three years for his nonsense to go over there. And one day he finds himself you know, over there celebrating. He's contemplating, thinking about leaving his wife because he feels like such a, a, such a bad man and it's not really assisting the walk that they have in their relationship. He's finding himself 
finding that this, this really, that he, he's buried in shame. And he goes to this, this is what my God is, this is what your God is. God's digging a well in his marriage. And he's ready to give up on it. And he goes to a, a, a actual, a actual service, he hasn't been in church in a while, goes to a service that is literally going to honor 25 years of marriage in another couple. And in that space, God starts digging inside of his heart. He starts digging inside of his heart. And you know, his, his wife and him both bow their heads. And before he knows it, before she knows it, there's an altar call. He finds himself in the front row. And she doesn't even know. All of a sudden, she, the prayer's over. She looks over and he ain't even there. You know why? Because he's up there at that altar giving his life, saying, God, dig in this well. Dig in my heart. I can't do it, but you can do this. You can make this marriage work. You, and you, if you become the source, I have exhausted all I am and it's come up short. It's never come to that living space. And some of you in this space have done the same. You've probably dug in your own strength. You've probably even come to that space where you're frustrated with it. Or even sometimes you may even had a cistern where God was in it a little bit and, not, and then all of a sudden you just say it dried up again. God needs to be the living fountain of living water in every space of your life and here he is in that space and all of a sudden God makes himself known he is the living water today he's an elder in our body number two the first well we all need to dig is the well of salvation again it's a figurative talk you digging the dell isn't really true at all God's one doing the digging amen but you're allowing yourself you're surrendering how do you well so you pass around how how am I digging you're surrendering Every single time somebody comes to this altar like this, they're allowing God to dig into that well. They're surrendering their life. They're surrendering their walk. Every time you allow a worship song to become your song in your heart, you're allowing God to do that dig in your life. Number three, each well you dig after your well of salvation is surrendering. We've been talking about this in the weeks to come. Each well, I look at the years of my marriage the years of the business and years of being with the kids, each one is a well. Each space of surrendering. I will never forget the protective dad inside of me. And you know, as, as far as a father, um, we deal with all these insecurities. As a man, you know, ladies, you probably need to hear this. We're um, on Tuesday night. We're doing this men's event thing at this time and. And really what we learned last week is that, you know, we want to be strong and courageous. And, you know, and that's not this boisterous um, tyrant inside the house. It's exactly opposite. And uh, this teacher comes along and teaches, this is what I feel is strong and courageous. And he shares how this man named Adam, of all names, he accepts Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And uh, he says, he's, Jesus is all new to him. He doesn't really know much about the Bible and and so his mentor shares, well, he says, well, you should, you know, a good idea to get a Bible story book and do devotions with your, your daughter. And here, men's egos, ladies, you need to hear this. Men's egos are very fragile. Even though you, what you want to tell him, you want to kick his butt, get it off the couch or turn that dumb TV off or the game off or whatever else you're really saying, you just really want him to get serious in leadership. Even though that's what you want to do, it's the very last thing you should do. Because his ego is very fragile. Many times we men want to get lost in the nonsense, the fantasy land. It's because we feel like we're so losing in this land. 
And so we can get caught up in watching a game or, or watching a TV or doing whatever he can. Because it's somewhere we go, look, I can at least get lost because I feel like in this life I'm never winning. And so this man who's being led in his devotions and he's new and he's got to, he's got to deal with his ego. His ego is, is that I'm leading a four-year-old and I don't know any Bible. I feel ridiculous. But he overcomes that and becomes strong and courageous and goes, takes this nursery book of child in an understanding of the Bible and he's learning for it. He's learning himself and now he's sharing with his four-year-old. So he shares with his mentor. He goes, I'm getting it. He says, I'm reading this devotion, doing this every night with my, my daughter. He goes, to me, that's strong and courageous. Strength and courage is facing your insecurities and not letting your insecurities rule your life, allowing God to dig that well in his daughter's life. Number four, the more wells you dig, the more prosperous you'll become in God. And we'll be talking about that in, um, in the weeks to come, that God wants to prosper you. And I'm not talking financial. I mean, that's just one area, but he wants to prosper relationships in your walk. He wants to prosper relationships. It's God has given every one of us the ministry of reconciliation. What that means is this, is that people would understand who God is in their life. And you are the one that intersects their life. If everybody was looking up, they'd all see God because God would open up their eyes. The trouble is, is they're not looking up, they're looking, they're looking horizontally. And so the only thing they can get a view of is you. When they're looking, if you're looking up you're, vertically, you're going to find God. You look horizontally, you're going to find you. And I don't know about you, but I am many times a very rough viewpoint of God. Amen. And so what happens is, is that I need and say, God, I want to be like gold. In fact, I was praying this this morning, our elders, I go, God, I want to be like gold in heaven. When gold is in its purest form, it's transparent. You can see right through it. God, refine me. To be that so people can look right through me and see you right through me and see you so in closing today's been about the well of salvation I don't know if all of you have a saving relation saved relationship with Jesus Christ I don't know if you're in church because your spouse made you get here or maybe you feel guilty if you don't come here or, or whatever the case of why you're here, or you're not here by accident. God loves you. According to Deuteronomy 7, it says God sets his affection over us. Not, I, I'll tell you what, when, God, when, when my wife sets her affection over me, I feel like I'm, on the, I'm the biggest guy in the room all the time when she sets that, because I just feel like, I, and I recognize that with God too. When he sets that space of affection on me. Many men will ask me, say, well, pastor, how do you know God's presence? Well, for me, I can't say it for everybody, but for me, it's his love. It's his love. His love is so deep and so wide and so unsearchable. And it comes in the space of my heart and it explodes. And then everything else around me, for just a moment in that space of love, doesn't matter. It's another thing cool about getting old. 
because you realize that all the other stuff behind you just doesn't matter. Seems like when you're young, everything matters. You got to overcome this. You got to overcome that. You got to win this. You got to do that. I, I get it. I was there. Then you get old and you go, doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter. So getting old is cool. And it's greater viewpoint from that. And we need to help the younger ones to help them overcome. Because inside, God has made them a warrior. On purpose, he made them to want to fight the enemy. And they need to learn how to fight the enemy in their walk. And that greatest enemy is usually yourself. The greatest enemy isn't the devil, it's yourself. You know, it wasn't Satan that destroyed Adam and Eve. It was Adam and Eve's choice to allow it to be that way. And so my greatest enemy is me. I'm the one that doubts what God can do in my walk. I'm the one that doesn't feel like I deserve it. I'm the one that allows shame of my failures and my fallacies. And I got a boatload of them. To be in the picture of my future, when Jesus says, get your eyes on me. Can you imagine, when you get your eyes on Christ, do you see anything you've ever done wrong? Nothing. You know what you'll have is you have these eyes of, come on, son. Come on, daughters. Let's do this. And then he goes, oh, he will reveal things that are holding you down. That's the dirt that's in the well. And some of you are allowing the dirt in your life to keep you from the living water. Would you please let God dig it? Today, would you allow the fountain of living water? Jesus said, I am the fountain of living water. We told a woman who had had five marriages and was in a relationship. She so much was so messed up in relationships, she wasn't even going to get married again. She said, I'm not even going to get married again because that doesn't work, so I'm going to live with the guy now. And Jesus comes, he goes, I'm the fountain of living water. Will you drink? Jesus wants that space with you today. I don't know where you're at. I don't know, you know, what, again, how long you've been in church, but only you and the Lord and your heavenly father can feel where you have, your conscience is clear that you know that you know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And if you don't have that, right now, this moment, this hour, you need to surrender and say, God, I invite you in. Live in my heart, live in my, live in this being. Not because she wants me to, not because my kids need me to, all that's true. Not because God, that it's the right thing to do, but because I want you in my life. The fountain of living water. Please bow your heads, close your eyes. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me, the prayer of surrender. The rest of you pray this prayer too. But I believe that there are people in this room, in the space of this room, or even those watching right now online, or will watch, where God is tugging on your heart, just like he did with me watching JG, J.D. Greer. God tugs on my heart through a video tugs on my heart in the space of a devotion 
He's tugging on many of your hearts right now. That's God digging in your well. I want all of us to pray this prayer right now, prayer of surrender. And for some of you, this, maybe it's a prayer of recommitment or maybe it's a prayer of new commitment. Either way, be real with God today in it. Say, Father God, Jesus' name, here I am. I receive your forgiveness because of what Jesus did on the cross. Lord Jesus, I thank you for paying a price I couldn't pay. And I receive your love, your hope, your peace in my heart. I'm all yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up and let's worship our daddy. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.